Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Good morning, Res Church family. Oh, it's awesome to be here today. Um, Before we kick off with the word today, though, I just want to begin with a brief prayer um, in light of the recent tragedy that we all observed in our country. Um, won't you all just join me as a, in a quick prayer as we pray for our nation and the, and the families who are affected. Father God, we, I just, I thank you, Lord, that we may come to you with every concern, with every issue that we have, Father. And I thank you, God, that even in light of such a tragic event, such a dark event, God, that you work out all things for good, for the good of those who love you, Lord God, and are called according to your purpose. I thank you, God, that you are presently comforting the families who were affected, the neighborhood that was affected, Lord, and this nation. I pray, God, that you would turn your face to us, Lord, and heal this nation, Lord. Let your face shine upon us, Lord God, and have mercy on us. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And also... I just want to wish all of you a happy Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, let's clap for that. Let's clap for those who were remembering during this time. Memorial Day is such a, such a wonderful day of remembrance because it's such an image of the gospel. It's an image of people who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, such a shadow of what our Lord did for us all. So let's just, let's, let's, let's applaud for them and also... Before we dive in today, let's just do a 10-second moment of silence for those who we have lost. All right. Well, I'm very, very excited and very happy to be here today preaching. I'm so thankful to our church's leadership as well as to God for giving me this opportunity. Um, We're in our series through the book of Joshua titled Homecoming. And what I've been loving about this study through Joshua and following the Israelites as they inherit the promised land is we see a lot of our own story through theirs. Um, They're learning to trust God. They're learning to walk in obedience to God. And then they're receiving the promises of God, which he gave to their ancestors beforehand. Um, And in a lot of ways, we uh, experience the same trials, the same uh, testing, and the same victories and breakthroughs in faith that they did as well. Um, Last week, Pastor Michael brought us through arguably one of the most uh, famous stories in the Bible, the, the siege of Jericho. And we were all uplifted, super encouraged by the way God tears down the walls in front of us to give us victory and how we get to participate in the victory of God. And then Pastor Michael told me, Santi, you're going to be preaching on Joshua 7. And I don't know how familiar all of you are with Joshua 7, if you are. But when he told me that, I was like, Michael, what did I do to upset you? (laughs) And I I, I took on the challenge. And something that I, when I first read Joshua 7 preparing for this, uh, I was wondering, wow, how are we at all going to see the grace of God through such a difficult story. And sure enough, 
The Lord's grace works in such mysterious ways where his spirit will reveal, even in the most tragic events, the most bright light of his grace. And that's what we're all going to go through today. Um, So a couple weeks ago, in week three of this series, uh, Jason Matera actually was preaching, and he uh, taught us that your present-day obedience determines your future blessing. Basically, what you are sowing today is going to determine the harvest that you reap later on. And we as a church family and as individuals are called to obedience unto the Lord. We are called to walk with him, to have a relationship with him, to be intimate with him in, in his lordship, but also in an image of friendship and, father, uh, and fatherhood. So our obedience will determine the future blessings of God in our lives. It's actually written in Hebrews 11.6. It's one of my favorite verses. It says that God is a rewarder to those who seek him diligently. If you believe you have a high calling, that God has placed a high calling on your life, your calling will be determined on how urgently and and diligently you are seeking him. So, while reading through this passage and and praying and preparing, um, I can't help but think uh, about people who have made one wrong decision and how that one wrong decision set them up for failure. But I can also, I can't help but think of people who made one wise decision and how that one wise decision actually set them up for success. Uh, funnily enough, we just recently passed a very strange anniversary of the honestly the most shocking decision I've seen a person make in our lives recently. Uh, In May 2010, there was a man named Laszlo Henyex. I'm pretty sure none of you know who this man is, and I'm not surprised that you don't, but what Laszlo Henyex did is something that's going to shock you. So Laszlo Henyex was a software engineer who got in very early due to his knowledge of technology got in very early on something you might be familiar with called Bitcoin. So Laszlo Henyx executed one of the very first cryptocurrency trades ever. And what Laszlo did was trade $40 worth of Bitcoin for two large pizzas. At the time, this was groundbreaking. No one had ever done something like this before. But what Laszlo did was trade 10,000 Bitcoins for two large Papa John's pizzas. At the time, 10,000 Bitcoins was worth about $40. Today, that amount is worth $300 million. The worst part about this story is he did not even get good pizza. (laughs) This wasn't necessarily a bad decision at the time, but who could have foreseen how heavy this decision would be later on in his life. Every decision yields direct results, even if they do not happen immediately. The decision that you make today will determine the direction that your life goes tomorrow. If you read in psychology today, the average adult makes about 35,000 decisions a day. We decide whether we're going to wake up or hit the snooze button, like I did a couple times this morning. You decide if you were going to go work out in the morning, work out in the evening, or just not work out at all. 
You decide if you're going to eat breakfast or instead go and buy a coffee quickly at Starbucks and then head off to work. At our jobs, in our relationships, if we're parents, um, in our marriages, there are thousands and thousands of decisions we make today, knowingly and unknowingly. The same is true for our spiritual lives. Everyone has thousands of choices to make. We have to decide, are we going to run to the Lord or are we going to run away from the Lord? We have to decide, are we going to pray? Are we going to read scripture or are we going to neglect our spiritual disciplines that give us victory? Are we going to trust God or are we going to continue to trust in ourselves to provide? Are we going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or are we going to get distracted by this present world that we're told is passing away. Whether practically, personally, or spiritually, the choices we make end up making us. This is a theme that is repeated throughout the entire Bible. Look what it says at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. You know what that is? That's legacy. Our God is the God of legacy. What he does in one generation, he does so that he may continue to bless in the future generations, that your legacy may be glory unto the Lord. When you choose life, it says your offspring may live. When you choose wisdom, it says your offspring will be wise. When you choose blessing, your offspring will be blessed. But what happens if you choose cursing? The effects are devastating not only to your life, but to the lives that will come through you. Whether they be your children, spiritual children, or your neighbors altogether. Our hope in the church is that you would choose life. But unfortunately, like we are going to see today... Some people don't choose life, and those choices have consequences. So today we are going to learn a lesson from a man named Aiken. I had to look up how to pronounce that multiple times. Multiple words you're going to see I'm not going to pronounce right. He made a terrible choice, and and those choices caused him to ruin his life. We are going to see some bad decisions being made for you and I to avoid in this text and the choice at the end that will lead us to life. So to understand chapter 7, we actually have to start at chapter 6. So if you'll join me in Joshua chapter 6, verse 15, it says, On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, You take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. 
But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. And today, God has given the Israelites a clear commandment, something to follow that they must obey uh, after their victory in Jericho. Um, And today we're going to see how Israel was not faithful in this obedience. And I want to focus on three things that Israel did wrong throughout this chapter. Number one, they neglected obedience. So if you'll join me at Joshua now, chapter 7. This is the scripture for the day. Verse 1, it says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Aven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shibarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. I think I did good on the pronunciation there. Notice how verse 1 says that Israel was unfaithful regarding the devoted things. Achan stole, but the Lord's anger was against Israel. That's interesting. Then further down in verse 11, it tells us the Lord tells Joshua that Israel has sinned. One man's disobedience brought the anger of God on the entire camp of Israel. It was one man's disobedience that caused 36 men to die, potentially 36 families to experience grief, 36 wives to become widows, and 36 children to lose their father. And all of Israel is being held accountable for this. Every believer's actions matter, for better or worse, and affect the entire group. I can't help but think of people making the excuse, I definitely have done it before too, where how could it be a sin? It only affects me. It doesn't affect anyone else around me. That is a lie straight from the devil There is no such thing as a sin that only affects the individual. Every sin has corporate consequences. When you do something that you think is only impacting yourself, you're bringing grief to your loved ones around you, to God and everyone else who wants the best for you. We must never underestimate the damage one decision can make outside of the will of God. Because of Achan's disobedience, Joshua and the Israelites experienced their first defeat in conquering the promised land. Joshua sends men of Ai to spy out the region. The men return and tell Joshua that they don't need too many men. Can you see the pride and the arrogance in this council? We just destroyed Jericho. Ai's no match for us. We just tore down walls with our shouts. Ai's no match for us. How often do we forget that the victories we celebrate have actually nothing to do with us? I remember time and time when I first began my walk with Christ, I 
would seek the Lord in an urgent time of temptation. And when the Lord delivered me from it, I would feel on top of the world. No sin was matched for me. And then something significantly less powerful than what I just was delivered from would come along and I'd stumble at it. The Israelites were relying on their own strength to win the battle of Ai instead of the Lord who makes them strong. Joshua sends 3,000 men, but were subdued by the men of Ai, and 36 men ended up being killed because of these consequences. You might be wondering why it was so important for Israel to be faithful in what happens with Jericho and why the rest of the mission was contingent on this decision. It's because Jericho was the first city that they came up against when entering the promised lands. In a way, Jericho is their first fruits of the promises of God. A principle that we see throughout Scripture is that when God brings an increase, He calls us to render the first fruits back to Him as a sacrifice of thanksgiving for what He just did for us. God desires for us to not get so attached to the beginning of His blessings that we end up missing the rest of them. If we are self... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love you, Maritza. (laughs) If we are selfish with the first breakthrough, how can we expect a second or even a third after that? Because what you do with the first determines what you will do with the rest. God blesses our offerings, and He really does. When we support ministries... Uh, because of this action, it fulfills the two great commandments. That's why I believe God off, uh, uh, honors offerings so much. Is because when we give and support to ministries, we show our love to God. We give a sacrifice of thanksgiving to Him. Thank you, God, for giving me the ability to give this offering. And when we give, we also love our neighbors as ourselves. We give to the ministry to help other people. Every person in here today... Is, who is walking with the Lord, began that relationship when a ministry that was supported by obedient Christians delivered the gospel messages to you. There were people just like you and me who sowed into a ministry, and we happened to be part of that ministry's harvest. Now when we give, we may also participate in that same labor for the same harvest unto God. That's why it's so imperative that we're supporting a ministry because it helps us fulfill the two greatest commandments given in the Bible. The second thing that the Israelites neglected during this time, the second error they made was neglecting the priority of prayer. If you look back at the beginning of chapter 2, nowhere when Joshua is deciding how to approach scouting out AI, do we see him stop to pray? This is the same man who we've read time and time again, woke up early, sought the Lord, woke up early, uh, prayed, prayed before every tough decision. He was truly operating in the mantle of Moses. Uh, Before every breakthrough, we see Joshua praying. When he received the, the word from the Lord, be strong and courageous, he prayed. He got wisdom to send the two spies in chapter 2. He prayed before they crossed the Jordan River, and God gave him direction. And he prayed before the battle of Jericho, and the Lord showed him that praise paves the way, as Pastor Michael put it. Here in chapter 7, we see that he neglects the priority of prayer. 
Instead, he sends 3,000 men to a small city, and they are defeated. Not only are they defeated, but men have lost their lives because they they did not pray. What do you think would have happened if Joshua had stopped and prayed before sending the men into battle? Instead of trusting God, they were trusting in themselves to defeat Ai. And now here we see the importance of gospel-centered community. In a gospel-centered community, you have people keeping you accountable. When you think of accountability, though, you may think of keeping you on track. I mean, how can you not? The Lord calls us to walk the straight and narrow path that leads to life. So it is a path. But to an average person, this might simply mean having people in our lives that make sure uh, we aren't falling into sin. But is that all gospel-centered community is? We need people in our lives who make sure we, who know our, what our temptations are, who know what our weaknesses are, to be able to minister to us when, when, when we're weak. Amen. But we don't just need people to keep us accountable in resisting temptation. We also need people keeping us accountable in practicing spiritual disciplines yeah. that will ultimately give us the victory over those temptations. Yeah. It is good to have people keep us from giving into temptation But this is only half the battle, and nobody wins a fight only playing defense. We need mature Christians who practice spiritual disciplines to speak into our lives. That way, uh, we will have the strength to not only resist the devil, but to wage war against the kingdom of darkness. And if you're here today and you think, I'm not experiencing gospel-centered community to its fullness... I mean, I have people who are making sure that I'm not falling into temptation, but I want to pray with people. I want to study the word with people. I want to do life with people in faith. Then join one of our life groups. Seriously, our life groups are the foundation is gospel-centered community. And it's, it's, we were not made to walk this walk alone. We were made to be a part of community The very first thing God said to man when he created him was, it is not good that man is alone. And then he made him a partner. It's super easy to actually join one of our life groups. You can do so on the website by scanning one of the QR codes on the chair. Or if anything, get connected with me. I oversee them. I would love to get you plugged into one of our life groups to see you mature and get strengthened in the faith that we may wage war against the kingdom of darkness. So the one thing that we see through this chapter is if it doesn't begin with prayer, it will end with disappointment. The third thing, if you'll look with me from verses 10 to 15, that they rejected was repentance. Verse 10 reads, The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their back before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand 
before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. That was when I was like, Michael, why? (laughs) But we see here, the Lord did not surprise Israel with what the consequences of their sin had done to them. God told them what was done, what it caused, and what will be done to make things right. And the punishment was harsh. It was fatal. But the thing that sticks out is that God told them all these things would happen tomorrow. And we know the character of our God. We know that it's written, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I don't believe that it was a coincidence that God gave a full day's notice before executing judgment on this sin. There was a gap between the revelation of the sin committed and the judgment for that sin. Here we see God offering the grace of repentance to Achan for his sin. Joshua communicated the Lord's judgment to the camp and what would happen to the guilty individual And instead of seeking forgiveness, we see that Achan attempts to get away with it altogether. I'm here to tell you today, do not put off your repentance. That word has such a scary connotation to it, but we learned when Carissa taught that repentance is good. Carissa gave us an excellent image of what it means to repent. To repent means to change your direction. It means to change your focus. It means to turn your back on sin so that you can turn your face to God. When God reveals our sin to us, he does so for us to repent and be healed. So if we prolong our repentance, we end up prolonging our healing. It is for our benefit to turn to God when we have stumbled because he doesn't want to shame us or condemn us when you admit your shortcomings to him. Because he wants to be the one to exalt you above them that you may overcome them. And we see the Lord does exactly what he says. He gathers the entire congregation of Israel and lot by lot starts to narrow down who committed this sin until finally it is revealed to Joshua that it is Achan who coveted and stole the things meant for destruction. He stole silver, he stole gold, and he stole a coat, and he buried it underneath his camp. So, as I begin to close, we go to verse 24, and it says, And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the cloak, and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen and donkeys, and sheep and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire, and stoned them with stones. 
and they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his, ang- from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. It took the death of one man to turn the anger of God away from the people. It took the death of one man to turn the anger of God away from the people. It took the death of one man to turn the anger of God away from the people. I'm going to keep repeating it until you catch this, because through the story of Achan, we arrive at the story of Jesus Christ. In this passage, we have seen a man guilty of sin, paying the consequences of his actions, a shadow of the things to come. It's amazing how mysterious the gospel is and just how deep the wisdom of God goes. The difference is, in this story, a guilty man dies for the sake of the innocent. But in the story of Jesus, an innocent man died for the sake of the guilty. Just as through the death of Achan, the sin was taken away from Israel and the anger of the Lord was turned away from the people, it is through the death of Jesus Christ that our sins are taken away and the the burning anger of God is taken away from the people. What makes Christ's sacrifice so much greater, though, is that when he died, our sin was finished, but through his resurrection, our lives begin. So today, as we end off, we examined many different decisions that we need to make in order to walk out a life that is faithful to God. But what we need to constantly remind ourselves is, is that God made one decision to show his faithfulness to us. God chose to never stop loving us. God chose us. And you might be here today thinking, I have time and time again chosen to disobey God. I have chosen to walk away from the Lord. I have chosen not to pray. I have chosen to do my own thing. God chose you. And I'm here today to tell you that God chose you and loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son for you to die for your sins and be raised to life for your justification before him that you might have eternal life with him. And if you're here today and you're thinking, I want that. I want to repent. I want to be healed. I want the anger of the Lord to be turned from me. You can do that. If you are here today and you have never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, I just want to invite our prayer team up to the front. And if you're here today and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, we would love to pray for you here at the front. I invite any of you, you can just come up here. And if you see someone with one of our prayer team lanyards, just ask them to pray for you. Uh, I would love to pray for any of you as well, too. Um, But in the meantime, the worship team is going to minister to us. So as we close in prayer, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, for the gospel that is for our salvation. God, that you loved us so much that you gave your only sons that we might be with you, that the innocent died for the guilty. 
Lord, if we read these pages and we feel mercy and pity for Achan in his judgment, Lord, so much more should we feel pity and sorrow over what was required for our healing before you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that in your innocence and without the stain of sin, you gave yourself up so that we would be with you, that there would be no wall of separation between us and you, but that we would be with you just as you are with your Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for our healing. If there is anyone here that requires physical healing today, the Lord wishes to do that for you as well. You need to only ask him, trust him to do what he promises that he can do. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.